quick second to pay the bills and a word from our sugar daddies. As you may know, we've partnered with Riverside.fm. Now, we at the podcast podcast use them for all of our virtual interviews, as do our clients, and they have transformed our quality. The 4K footage is incredible, and there are a ton of features, including teleprompter, which is great if you need to record an ad and keep forgetting what you're going to say, and you need to record it at the same time, as well as the ability to transcribe, create clips, and edit directly in Riverside. The biggest thing, though, is the video quality. It's far superior to any of the alternatives in this space, and that's why we use Riverside and so do our clients. If you want to sign up to Riverside today, click the link at the top of our show notes and use code PODCAST15 with a capital P for 15% off as an exclusive discount. Let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Podcasters Podcast. Today we're going to talk about our predictions for podcasting in 2024. Do you want to lead the way? Way more podcasters. Like, mm. serious, like so many more, I think would be the biggest thing. So there's loads of untrustworthy numbers, I suppose. The problem is it's like decentralized. So analytics and data from YouTube's amazing because they own all of that data and it's all being inputted and they track everything, which is awesome when you're looking at your backend data and reporting. Podcasting doesn't have that because it's decentralized across all these platforms. Now, you know, Spotify said like 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, but we know firsthand when we run a training and someone's looking at their name, it's like, oh, somebody's already got it or similar. And then you look through, it's like last uploaded in 2019, last uploaded mm-hmm. in 2020. There's so many what we call zombie podcasts. that 96% are ones that, of them, I think. Yeah, that haven't been deleted, but they're still there. They haven't uploaded in a long time. Like 90% of podcasts don't get past episode seven or whatever it is. So it looks like, I think... There's definitely a decline after 2020 and 2021, but now there's more money being spent. So there's four times as much money being spent by sponsors on podcasters advertising than there was in 2021. So that's a big jump. There are more listeners. There's about half a billion listeners from last reported anyway of podcasters, you know, actively. So more sponsorship, more listeners, more opportunity, then more podcasters are getting these brand deals, they're getting um, YouTube revenue. When people start making more money, more people fall into that industry and it becomes more competitive. It's only a matter of time, right? Because if the listeners are going up, the money spent's been going up. It's yeah. only so much time before the creators are going to go through the roof, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like the most wanted job when like polling children in the US is YouTube creator. Mm. And it has been for like five years. Because even children know, like, oh, that's a fun lifestyle. I don't have to go to university. I can make loads of money, you know, doing clothes, hauls, or makeup, or educating somebody on something, or whatever this different niche is, something that find mm. that people find interesting, or you know, reviewing cars, whatever it may be. And you can make hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds a year being a creator on YouTube. It's like, well, that sounds like a wonderful life. Oh, yeah. Podcasting's, to be honest, even more fun. I hear more YouTubers complaining about having to create youtube content because it's a bit harder than podcasters do i I don't really hear any podcasters complain about how hard their life is because it's like i just talk to people i find interesting within my industry that i find interesting Mm. and then if you chop that up and edit it it's much easier than direct to camera you have to do a lot more with that to keep it engaging of course so way more podcasters would be my number one do you think then that 2024 is the last opportunity to be early to podcasting. Mm. 
impossible to say. I think hindsight's a great thing. It's mm. really easy to say because Joe Rogan was early 15 years ago, but then the first show Progressive Media launched, Rob was eight years ago. And then you see some people that, you know, in 2020, it's like, oh, there's quite a few people that are well-known with podcasters. But then if you launched a podcast like three, four years ago, it's like, oh, damn, you're doing really well. Like, you've been really early. It's like, compared to what? You know, like... I think the idea that the numbers have been pretty similar for a long time, if it's going to kind of spike this year, yeah. then 2025 is like, oh, fuck, missed, missed the spike. But I think that the, the, it's not like, like investing in crypto, right? I don't think there's like a, a spike. There's people that I know, you know, through friends of friends that have started an Instagram or a TikTok in the last six months and they're already at like 100,000 followers. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, because this thing's never going away... It doesn't matter, right? You could invest in the S&P 500 now, and if you do that every month, you'll probably be rich by the time you're 65. But wouldn't it have been great if you started investing in like 20 years before you mm. were born, right? So it's like... It's always, much... oh, I should have done it a year ago. I should have done yeah, it yeah. Year ago. I, I, to be honest, I think it's a really good time right now because now we're an advocate against using AI for all editing, but there's definitely a lot of AI tools that help you with your research with reducing the editing time we've spoken about this in previous episodes and mm. finding your audience and finding guests there's lots of things that make it quicker to be a podcaster than it did literally just two years ago there's more listeners and more sponsors so do i think right now excluding when joe rogan started like the best time to start a podcast i'd probably say yes as much as there's loads of hate out there of oh just another podcaster i genuinely think it's probably not been easier than it is right now and it's only going to get more difficult however if you're listening to this you know two years after release date doesn't mean it's not still a viable option for you yeah because, because in two years time it's just from that point it's just going to be even harder then so it's yeah it's going to be yeah get on it right <laughs> yeah just start as quickly as you possibly can what about youtube you we wrote down youtube as one of the points what's your what's your thoughts on that so something interesting and we'll do an episode updating this as soon as I know. So at the time of recording this, YouTube is allowing RSS integration, which is the way that audio files and podcasts are delivered from your hosting site, whichever that may be, Acast, Podbean, whatever, to Apple, Spotify, CastBox, all of these other apps. Now, we've done it, and what it essentially does is whatever your artwork is for your podcast, that is the image for the podcast, and it just lays an audio file on top of it. Mm. You could have a 60-minute long audiogram, where it's just the audio file, and then an image on top. No mm. one's using YouTube for that, right? No. Here's my concern. So I've, um, again, actually... I don't have many friends. I've got lots of friends of friends. Right? <laughs> so I asked a friend of a friend who, who knows somebody at YouTube, can you ask the question? And I'm waiting for a response. Will that affect or negatively impact consumption and data and things like this? Right. People are really scared when YouTube shorts come out that it's going to lower people's consumption. Because, you know, if you're, you were doing 20 minute videos and your average consumption was like 14 minutes and then you release loads of reels and that average consumption is 30 seconds, is that going to butcher it? Now, turns out it hasn't, and it's separated. So I'm hoping it'll be the same thing, it'll be separated. But if it's not, is it going to adversely affect your YouTube performance if you're putting other content out there? 
if you're uploading these 60 minute long audio podcasts, they realize there's no visual to it and people are just clicking off it or leaving bad reviews, bad comments, thumbs down, stuff like that, right? So, however, if that's a non-issue and it doesn't negatively impact, then this could be massive. What would be even better is if it allows you to upload video. But still through the RSS yeah, or some easier method that can go from a hosting site to um, to the podcast, mm. essentially. Like, so if you use what was Anchor, like um, Spotify, Spotify podcasts, which is just wank, by the way. Yeah, just dreadful. conversation I had about it the other day. Apparently, they don't show you total downloads. No, it so, is. Oh, that's great if you're trying to speak to sponsors and guests, right? Yeah, we, we'll do another. We'll do an episode debrief in that. It's, it's not great, but with certain creators, you can watch video versions of podcasts on Spotify. Now, if that gets opened up to everyone and more platforms adopt it, especially if YouTube does, Apple, Spotify, CastBot, you're done. Mm. Goodbye. See you later. YouTube will just absolutely destroy it. Mm, that is true. So, do you know what I think YouTube will work with in terms of the um, the non-video videos, the audiograms, essentially? Is Sorry? The, the non-video videos. Yeah, yeah ones, those you know. ones. Yeah. So... I think I find a lot of people who don't really know podcasting have never really listened to it. They're like, "Oh, where do I find a podcast?" So a lot, all these people know YouTube, usually the younger generation. And if they want, if someone said, "Oh, you should listen to this podcast," they'd probably open YouTube first. Mm. So it might be a good way for non-podcast listeners to discover podcasts because the non-podcast listeners don't even realise they've got Apple Podcasts on their phone. So no. what their first thought is, "Oh, let me go to YouTube." And if even if it's an audio only, they might that might be their first experience of podcasting or, or, or listening to a podcast because. If you're not on YouTube and you've got an audio-only podcast, like, oh, that sounds good. Search on YouTube, can't find it. Oh. And it sounds stupid, but a lot of people who are new to podcasts don't even really exist, well, yeah. know the existence of podcasts and apps. And Spotify's search, um, or at least for us, Spotify's um, SEO discoverability is not all that great. Well, no, and they generally prioritize people that they pay, obviously. Of and yeah, I, I find it's mostly the older generation. Like if I'm, you know, going to see family at like a wedding or something. So mm. what do you do? I work in radio. Yeah. <laughs> don't even worry about it. Just no. me- I, media, honestly. Yeah, honestly, media. don't, don't I worry like, about it. I'm, I record shit. Actually, none. I'm unemployed. <laughs> I'm the shame of the family, Jeremy. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> I just I just make cool videos. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, I've got a podcast. What's a podcast? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a... Oh, I was about to say it's like a book board, yeah, but that's an audio book. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Do you know what you do? <laughs> yeah, no. Honestly, no, not really. But I think... Older it, and younger generation. I think, like, by younger, I mean, like, early 20s, younger than that, teenagers. Mate, they that know what podcasts are. They're the biggest listeners. Uh, not teenagers. I think there's a lot of teens who, like, will f- go to YouTube first for everything, because so that's all they know. I, I, actually, what I would say is the younger generation, the youngest, so yeah. with us saying this, by the way, we're children, is um, podcasts through TikTok. And shorts. Yeah. That's how they consume Video platforms. It. And if you said to them, like, where would you go what, uh, consume this whole podcast? They'd tell you YouTube, 100%. Yeah, yeah. They sure. won't know that they won't... They don't drive. They why, like why, why, why would you listen to podcasts if you're not driving? Yeah, I've got loads of time to kill. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can watch YouTube. Exactly. So that I think that's how YouTube, although not great content, it just being the artwork, could be a really good discoverability tool for non-podcast the, here's listeners. here's the fucking... The bad part of it is what happens if you close the app. No, I'm not paying for YouTube Premium. Mm. Oh, it, it's shit. I just mean it'll be good for people to find a podcast yeah, in the yeah. first place if they're not listeners. Yeah, I, it's... Yeah, it might make them sell loads more YouTube Premium because... Maybe. 
if people are more willing to put their car details in rather than just Google the fact there's actual podcast apps. Perhaps. What else you got? Um, sponsorship was the next one. Um, now, specifically the type of creators that sponsors are approaching because you've seen it so much over the last few years, Instagram influencers, people with massive audiences promoting left, right, center, all sorts of brands which are usually completely unrelated, right? Now, if, you're, if someone's working in um, influencer marketing for a brand, they'll probably look for the people with the biggest reach. And that's what's happened for ages. The results aren't all that great. It's okay for brand awareness, but brand awareness doesn't pay the fucking bills. So if you're a company looking to make conversions, brand awareness is great, but for the right people and actually generate leads and network, this sort of stuff, I feel like it's going to take more of a shift towards the smaller niche audiences because we've seen it now already brands getting better results from working with smaller audiences. They pay a shit ton much more money. And from the brand's point of view, yeah, it's going to cost you a lot more. But you're in front of the right audience there. It's just more work, isn't it? Like finding the right creators. So. Exactly, yeah. Because it's all good throwing a load of shit at the wall and hoping some of it sticks. But then all of a sudden when you're paying pennies for this million person audience that's been advertised to 500 times, different products. And they're like, check out this new kit I have. I don't know what it does, but I've been using it for six months, I promise you. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, Whereas if you were to be a really specific podcast and you're promoting a product that they actually use and that you would trust their opinion on. Mm. And like we spoke with Dodge the other day, is a genuine partnership rather than a sponsorship. That, I think, is going to become more and more prevalent as people start to realise, actually, the results are in paying for these better audiences. It's not always quantity over quality um, when you're looking, when you've got a high-ticket item especially and when you're looking for conversions. So I think, which is a really good thing for podcasters, I think there's going to be more and more value put into the small niche audiences when it comes to sponsors working with them rather than the broad Instagram influencers or YouTube channels or just putting ads on shows that go out to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, my friend spent a million pound on Lionel Messi. He was the head of social media for a massive clothing brand. They spent a million quid on a campaign with Messi and it didn't convert on the back end. I won't say the brand, but they didn't make the money back. But that's a huge camp, like loads of moving parts, the money spent on the rest of the campaign, not just the money that went to Messi. Mm. And it didn't work, but they could then spend more time finding sort of micro-influencers, which is mm. really in his line of work, people with a 100,000 or less. Yeah. They have got a much more loyal, built-in, sort of engaged audience where when they promote something, people mm. buy it. And yeah. the thing is... You don't look at Messi wearing a clothing brand and think, oh, he must wear that all day. Like, no, no. Unless it's something really high. Maybe maybe if it was Nike yeah. right, or Adidas. Like, I mean, might... Adidas do pay him absolutely millions yeah. and that's why people buy that. But you could get you could get away with that because yeah. it's like, fine, like, at least when you're training, you yeah. might wear that. And but you when, see him wear it. Like, yeah, yeah. But at home, it's like, it's going to have to be, it, it wouldn't even be a mainstream design. It wouldn't even be like a Prada or Gucci. It'd be something that we'd never heard of and definitely couldn't afford. It would just be like something ridiculous. Mm. Not going to be like a, a mainstream. French name. Yeah. With like L something. Yeah, and some accents on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sticks on lines above some letters and one of them ones. Um, I like Zara and H&M. That's yeah. <laughs> and River Island. Yeah, this yeah. Is, that's yeah, what this there is There you go. So I, I can pronounce that. <laughs> I can afford that. <laughs> yeah, that's the more important. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, and we've seen this. Generally, when we work with people, they're way more niche in terms of their content. And they might have two to 50,000 listeners a month, mm. right? But they're very, very, very specific on, right. on where they are. And that works so much better because it means it's more targeted mm. for the brands. Because 
you had Facebook ads, but then it gets harder and harder and harder every year to really target people mm. well. Then you have these influencer marketing with the really big influencers that don't really have... Saturated, they've been advertised to a million times. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you don't trust that that person is representative of that brand, right? Like we said with the Messi. But a smaller creator, even though it might say it's an ad, you go, yeah, but I actually think you probably would use that product. Yeah. And I'm... Especially if it's a long-term partnership, you see them use the product Yeah, they become a brand ambassador. Um, And people, but like... I say famous people talking about their favorite brand is like not their favorite brand, but one they're representing is like, yeah, cool. I know you're just doing it for the money. Whereas if it's someone smaller and it's like, I've got this partnership with them, you're like, oh, fair play. You're happy mm. for them almost. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, oh, I'd buy into that because I actually like you and I don't want to just buy it because it's like, oh, this famous person wears it. Yeah. And when it's very, very niche, that whatever that company is sponsoring, mm. chances are every single one of the people in the audience would want to buy that or is in the market for that product or service. Like you've mentioned that, you know, with a motorhome podcast, like, great, what do they all need, right? But they all need insurance for it. Mm. So should there be, let's say, an insurance one or, you know, I'm just trying to think of something else. If it's like a a biohacking podcast, it's like, where they're all, if you're into biohacking, then you need to do these tests Mm. because that's, they're obsessed with like lowering your biological age and you can only do that if you do these certain tests. Absolutely. Tech, tech podcast is a great one, right? Because most SaaS companies are tech. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and so we say SaaS companies because high profit margin, high cost per acquisition, high lifetime value of the clients mm-hmm. and customers. So those are the things you want to look for. And if you're in the tech industry, that's most companies, right? Yeah. So it's like, great. One of these people will probably sponsor me. I've spoke with sponsors recently who are like, well, yeah, we've got hundreds of thousands to spend in this certain frame. Uh, like we just need to figure out where to spend it. And you just can't, I can't help but feel like they go, Right, we've got this much. How many people can we reach for this much money? Mm. Which is the wrong approach. It's like, how many of the right audiences yeah. can we get in front of? Well, from their perspective, it's don't forget that is somebody's job to spend that money. Yeah, it's right? not they're their tar- money. They're targeted on it. So, and I could, you know, who doesn't want a shortcut? It's like, okay, well, if I could just pay this really big name that everybody knows, so mm. the board or whoever my boss is would sign off really quickly because they're like, oh, I know that person. Yeah. And we just give them 50% of the budget. It's like, great. Like, my half of my year's work is done on one job. Yeah. It's a lot more work to go find all these smaller hyper niche creators. However, mm. I am seeing more brands doing that and spending the time and effort. There's a lot of agencies now out there that do this connecting big brands with like micro influencers and things like this. So I don't know. I think next year, way more money for hyper niche podcasts through sponsorship. Yeah. I think generally as brands start seeing more success from it and their competitors start to see, see more success. Yeah, they like, oh, well, it. actually, maybe that's the different way to approach it. So, yeah. Uh, what, what other ones do we have on there? Let me check. Look on your notes, my friend. You, I've literally written YouTube stuff. Oh, great. Sponsorship. A-B um, testing, mate. Ah, uh, yeah. YouTube. That that was something you mentioned, yeah. A-B yeah. testing. Well, actually, re- producer Ronnie. Producer Ronnie. Zane's been replaced today. He's a... Yeah. Uh, not in, so poor from him. Um, Shocking so. behaviour, isn't it? Yeah, We're here every time. Well, I mean, Ronnie's provided us with good information. Zane doesn't necessarily do that. But he's got a better sync clap. Yeah, he's- <laughs> <laughs> he does. And also, Zane will probably be editing this. Yeah, so yeah. now I'm going to end up with some like stupid hairstyle or something like that. <laughs> um- <laughs> All right, yeah. So this is something that um, literally Ronnie was talking to us about right before we started recording, which is YouTube beta testing A, B, and C tests for thumbnails. And there is third-party software that's been doing this, and it's Mr. Beast changes his thumbnails on average eight and a half times a video. 
Stephen Bonner that puts all his fucking advertising budget into just testing thumbnails. Yeah, because it, it, we've spoken about it before. The title of the episode and the thumbnail is 99% of the reason somebody's going to click on your content. Right. Most people don't know who you are, right? It's not like immediately when your podcast episode comes out at 6pm on a Wednesday, I'm like, fuck, I need to open YouTube to watch that yeah. podcast. Like, if I'm going to social media or YouTube, it's normally because I want the app yeah, if you're to show a new me listener. something, which is most people, especially mm. on YouTube podcasts, right? So... You basically, your thumbnail is very, very important right. to the fact that when this gets rolled out to everyone, you can start split testing different types of thumbnails and get a really quick feedback loop of, well, this one's got a better click-through rate. It's like, great, let's do more of that one. And it's just going to speed up the process of testing and tweaking and iterating. And then that will lead to more listeners, more viewers. Yeah, more more cool stuff coming with YouTube, right? Um, and something else we found out, well... Not 100%, but we had a strike come through earlier on some content that we posted to TikTok. So it was the same as something we posted to Instagram, I think. And now TikTok seemed to be trying to stop you from uploading the exact same content, mm -hmm. which is just a continuation of the competition that TikTok, Meta, and YouTube are all in, right? Who can be the best in the short-form content space? So they don't want to share content. They want to be the number one. They don't want to have the seconds of Instagram, etc. Yeah. So based on that, I think 2024 is going to be massive for creativity in post-production first of all you're now probably going to get to a point where you have to change your clips ever so slightly for each platform so on facebook we're like 20 30 yeah so this is something we experienced a couple of months ago on one of our bigger facebook channels for disruptors so now although we pull let's say a 60 second clip from a podcast when we upload that as a tiktok and a youtube short they're so far the same but before they go on to facebook or instagram they get changed 20 to 30%, right? They might start at a different point, end at a different point, different animations just move about. Although it's sort of roughly the same section, they're being edited differently. Mm. Just so, it's, so we it's don't. It's going to take more work. Um, and we've mentioned it quite a few times in the last couple of months, but with AI coming up, the standards getting higher. If you want to really be above and beyond, your content's got to be great. But those, once you think you've got great content, those four or 5% differences is going to be is your editing better than standard? Because standard's going to be way more achievable. Mm. Everyone's going to be doing standard. So that bit of creativity and a bit of, oh, wow, that's new mm. in editing, as well as just the idea of actually having to do a lot more editing. There's going to be a lot more pressure on post-production, I think, throughout this year, which we've said every year it's important, but now it's going to be important to be innovative with it, I think. Oh, yeah. Next year's satisfactory was last year's exceptional. The standard has moved massively. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Because it's so e not so easy, but it's much easier to achieve that satisfactory with AI, right? Mm. So now it's like, cool, now you've got to stand out because if you're just going to be satisfactory, you're relying on only having good content. Whereas if you can have great content, but also great editing, you, you, you're competing in a vacuum, right? 100%. So that's that one. And that leads on to the last point, which is more ways to monetize, which... Wonderful bridge. Yeah. Good bridge, that, right? We'll find out. Depends on what your next yeah, sentence true. is. Yeah, should we rewind? Sorry, I've lost it now. <laughs> so obviously all these short form platforms are competing. They want your business, essentially. They want your videos, which means they're just going to be offering the best things they can offer. Similar to how bookies will offer like different free bet offers. <laughs> what a bridge that is. What? <laughs> Look, I'll be honest. Skybet have some great offers, but Bet365 might, yeah, Bet <laughs> might come out with like a boom. Like, wow, that's no other platform does that. I bet you next year all the platforms are doing it. Tell right? you what, before we actually talk about the real thing you just brought up, quick top tip for everyone. Betting companies, gambling companies, and crypto companies find it very difficult to advertise on certain platforms. They don't allow it. And in certain mm. countries, they don't allow it. 
Um, so they spend a shit ton on podcasters because there's no rules in that space. So if you want to secure yourself a big money, non-ethical sponsor in 2024, go speak to your local bookies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go, go call mate at Labbrooks. Yeah, yeah. No, anyway, it's right. the same, it is the same concept, right? So that if one of the, if one of the platforms has a brilliant offer, all of a sudden the other platform will do what they can to get as close to that offer as possible. Mm-hmm. So they're keeping up and it's who can offer the best thing. So like the, the sort of free bets, et cetera, you get now are always w- more valuable to you as the consumer than what they were five years ago. Although you'll probably still always lose. But the point is, it, it's a constant fight for your attention, which is what TikTok, Meta and YouTube will be in. Is like, who can offer the best monetization tools? Who can offer the best reach? Who can offer the best user interface, right? So monetization is definitely going to be one of those in the sense of who's going to give you the most money? Because that's where... They want your first edit, basically. Each mm. one of these platforms wants your first edit. They want you to be changing it for the other platforms. Like, oh, no, I want your number one edit. Well, that's why Clubhouse collapsed, because they didn't look after their creators. At the end of the day, these platforms rely on ad revenue, but they're not creating the content, mm. right? Just like Airbnb isn't building the houses, right? They need the users to go and put that on their platform so that they can take their cut. But if the same piece of content is going on every single platform, then there's no reason for the users, the people viewing that content, there's no reason for them to open TikTok over Instagram, right? Which is why YouTube's winning because nobody comes close to long-form video. They're the only person that's doing that. So if I want long-form video, now I'm watching, like I'm eating a meal or whatever and I've got 10, 20 minutes to kill, I'm going to to YouTube for that. Mm. Whereas (laughs) the, the reason Clubhouse sort of flopped was they grew really quickly, something completely different. It was awesome, but then there was no way to monetize. And because it was all live stuff, these creators that were really the valuable asset, there was no incentive for them to stay. Mm-hmm. So we've spoken recently about TikTok giving us like a pound per thousand right now on their beta um, program. Facebook will pay you for lives and in-stream ads on Reels. Uh, you know, they'll all start competing and paying more and more and more because they want you to focus on that platform. But it comes at both ends. They will pay you well, but then they will punish you for not following their rules. Right. Like, you know, this could be sort of the writing on the wall with TikTok giving us a strike because it's recognized somehow that that same content has been on another platform. Well, if they're telling you off for that, which immediately will be like, oh, God, my reach is gone. I won't do that again. But also they're paying me better than the other platforms. It's like, cool, I will do everything in my power to please TikTok because I get paid so well from it. And then they know that they're benefiting because they're earning loads from all of your views and from the ads. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be harder than it was this year on repurpose clips and just social media in general, just social media. But I do think they'll pay better. And that's a good payoff. I think I just literally in the last couple of minutes came up with this idea. And this is why you- Hit me. This got to be genius. Must be, right? This is why YouTube needs to hire me. (laughs) Look into the lens. <laughs> Mr. YouTube. <laughs> so they're the one platform with the long form, the long form content. I know TikTok technically does long form. Yeah, right, but no one really cares, right? If there was you posting podcast clips and then like a button comes up on the podcast clip just says check out full episode and it just, you click that and it takes you to that clip in the full episode. The Like chapters. Yeah, yeah. So, with an actual so you're going through shorts and then you see a clip from a podcast. It's like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Instead of going onto their account and finding the episode, it's literally like, when the clip's playing, it pops up with a button. It's like full episode. And if you like the clip, you just click full episodes. It starts playing a full episode from the point of that clip. That was really smart until that last bit. Why? 
Well, think. When we just interviewed Rob and we asked him about um, Stephen Bartlett mm. and that went viral, that was the last question. Yeah, but you'd still, <laughs> you could rewatch. <laughs> but then what you'd get is but people like... the link like, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But if it's a podcast, bro, I want to watch it from the beginning, not no, 42 minutes that is in. true. I, I started thinking a bit along the lines of when clips leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger. It's like, oh, what they say after? It's like, well, then you click to the full episode and it takes you straight to that point. But no, you could, you could click the button and then it gives you like from the clip or from the start. Boom. Oh, it's two clicks. And that's more friction. But either way, the idea... There of, should be a, a, a like a click through. Yeah, easily. rather than having to go onto there, because that way creators will definitely Less prioritize friction. YouTube. So it's just like, button, cool. There's a full episode. You're getting more people listening to the full episode, which has more ads in it and will pay you better. So yeah, that's how YouTube can make shit some more money and we can all make more money on YouTube. Can I pattern that idea? No. Okay. But it's a good idea, right? Not bad for a couple of minutes of brewing. Yeah. <laughs> well, until next time, everyone. Adios.